Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, February 29th. To overcome fear of misjudgment by others, think of and speak to them kindly. Your fears will then move <clears throat> from self-concern to an expansive interest in their well-being. There is a constant theme through here, which is the difference between thinking about yourself and thinking about others and the idea of drawing energy to yourself or giving out energy to others. The fear of being misunderstood and, and being judged by people, it's a very, it's a very deep and complicated question. I'm, I'm very impressed by how often we misunderstand each other. Even people of very goodwill, even people who are very close to each other, there is this unique individuality um, that we try to bridge, you know, with empathy and with kindness, with interaction, with attention, with service. But in the end, each of us is solitary in our own consciousness. It's just the way it is. And I am always um, impressed whenever I meet someone or someone talks to me that the, the, um, the slang phrase that people use is, well, so-and-so really gets, gets me. And that doesn't mean gets to me, but they really, they get who I am. And the implication of that is so many people don't. I had an interesting experience that way. My brother, I have a brother who's three years older than I am, and the, the pattern of our lives has not allowed us to be that close. So we, we only see each other intermittently. It's just the way we grew up. It's the karma of the situation. It's not a tragedy. It's just a fact. But... Um, a few years ago in my life, there was a period of time where he was between dwellings and he needed a place to stay. And so he lived with me for a matter of weeks, which was the first time in decades that we'd ever been under the same roof together. And was really in many ways the first time as adults that we'd had enough opportunity to really get to know each other again. It was fascinating to me because I have a I have a peculiar mind. Of course, everybody thinks they have a peculiar mind, but my mind has certain unique characteristics with which I have become familiar. I also have my own particular sense of humor, which, again, everybody has their own sense of humor. And part of what happens when somebody, quote, gets you is they get your humor. They know when you're joking and they know why it's funny. It was astonishing to me that my brother and I were like twins, like mental twins. Our sense of humor was exactly the same our response to situations was almost exactly the same. I mean, within limits, because our lives are very different. But it was really impressive to me. And the fact that we were so in sync reminded me again how rare it is for that to happen. And then our lives separated again, and we've, we haven't lived close together. But there's a karmic, there's a karmic vib vibratory sameness about it. However, and the reason I point that out as being so odd, I have hundreds of friends and I've been part of Ananda forever and I have I'm very fortunate to have very very dear friends and yet the unity of consciousness with him still was unique 
And, and I'm just talking about the human condition. That's all I'm talking about. So we're always having to work with this essential, and I would almost call it existential. I wouldn't almost, I will call it this existential aloneness. Swami said something once that, of course, I, I have no way of verifying it. He was speaking certainly from his own experience in saying this. But it was a remarkable statement. He said, when God-realization comes, now, when I've often, I'm going to back up a little, I've often talked about how everything in this world is dual. It goes back and forth. Everything is in pairs. You know, birth and death, light and darkness, male and female, positive, negative, it's all dual. But it all emanates from, from the oneness of Satchitananda. And the closer we come to that center, the more everything merges into this solitary reality. So Swamiji went so far as to say that when you, you finally enter into that oneness with everything, Swamiji said, there's a moment of intense loneliness because it, it, it really comes to a focus that there is only one in the world. And even if I am that one, I am still alone. But Swami said, but that only lasts for, what do you say, the space of a thought? Because then what follows immediately says, is the realization that all is bliss. So it is a oneness, but that oneness is eternal bliss. So all fulfillment is one is your own simultaneously. Now I just present that to you for your contemplation as I've contemplated it a great deal. I don't know, you know, I don't have to I, I don't go there, so I don't know I don't know what he's really saying. But what he's also saying he's 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 underscoring the the, sol, the solitariness of being, which which leaves us always alone with our own conscience conscious consciousness. And so so we can't make others around us be different. You know, I've, I've had the experience also in my life, which I consider to be a great, well, I can't even put words on it, there aren't words that are big enough, which is that Swami Kriyananda always understood me because he was not trapped by his separate reality. He was able, through his attunement with a greater reality, he could stand at the center of my being and understand who I am from the inside out. Of course, I invited him to, to guide my life. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have invaded my mind, and I don't want to put that in the wrong way, but I've invited him to understand me. And so he does. And I've, I've never knew him in 45 years to misunderstand me, even when everyone else interpreted my actions according to what seems self-evidently my motivation, because between intention and action there's often a great gap. But he never did. He always knew my intention. So what Swami's talking about here is we fear the misjudgment of others. And what I'm also saying is it's a valid fear, because the chances of being misunderstood are certainly high. And even with, even with goodwill, sometimes we just simply can't imagine What's motivating someone? I know oftentimes when I've, through verbal communication, I've come to understand what someone was really intending. Sometimes I'm just like amazed 
Really? That's really what you were trying to do? And it could be because they did it ineptly. It could also be because it was an intention I'd never even imagined. I just was trying to accomplish something else and I just didn't see what they were trying to accomplish. So we do, and and here's one more part of it which I want to put into it, which is it doesn't help us to try to make ourselves feel better by refusing to face reality. When a friend of mine was very badly hurt by the actions of someone else and the actions of the other person were questionable from the point of view of the highest dharma, They were understandable, but they were also not ideal. The the woman, my friend, was very hurt, and she was hurt for a long time. And she finally came to Swami, and she said, I've been thinking about this situation I've been dealing with, and I've decided that the other person's actions were just perfect. They They acted just perfectly. They did what they had to do, meaning everything in God's creation is perfect. That's how she meant it, you know. It was, it was perfect in God's eyes. Swami said, no, it wasn't. He said they behaved very badly. But, but then he looked right at this woman and he said, don't try to comfort yourself by telling yourself something that isn't true. Because how will that comfort you? You're just hiding from the truth. He said that person behaved badly and just has to be looked at, right? Now, Swami was very sympathetic to the person who behaved badly too because they were compelled by their own limitations to do it. So he wasn't judging, but nonetheless, there was no judgment in his, in his discrimination. It was just an unfortunate choice. Don't comfort yourself by telling yourself something that isn't true. So we are solitary in this world and misjudgment from others is inevitable. So Swami doesn't say how to prevent others from misjudging you, how to explain yourself, how to protect yourself. He says, when you fear misjudgment, shift the focus. Because misjudgment is, what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? I want people to understand me. I want people to respect me. I want people to like me. I want... And when... (laughs) Well, the folly is, you see, you can't compel people. We can try to compel people. The world is full of people who are trying to compel each other to behave in certain ways. And I promise you, it never ends well. It just never ends well. It just doesn't work out that way. I mean, the world is full of people who are trying to make themselves feel good by making their egos impenetrably strong. But you're comforting yourself with an untruth. Um, A lot of times in spiritual life, we talk about death. Uh, Death to me is a very interesting and even quite inspiring um, aspect of life. I know some people consider it morbid and untouchable, but I don't. I think it's marvelous. Change is inevitable and death is the ultimate change. And everything in life has to be seen in the context of its temporary nature. When you're 20, you're not thinking about dying, except people die in their 20s all the time. When you're in your 70s, as I am, and no matter what happens, I would say death will not be premature at this point. Much more of my life is behind me than in front of me. But when I was 18, death was one of the enormously important influences that pulled me onto the spiritual path. I was just beginning to learn about the possibility of self-realization and the possibility of 
adjusting my own consciousness as the solution to every unhappiness. And I remember, and the way I remember it is that I was awake most of the night, but I, I don't know if that was really true, but that's what it felt like. But I remember lying in bed in the dark and just wandering around in my own thoughts, trying to imagine a way that whatever happened in my life would not end in death. And of course, I couldn't. Now, of course, I could believe in life after death. I could believe in heaven in eternity. But at a certain point, and this is the picture I saw, no matter who loved me, and at that time I imagined I would marry and have many children and I have many grandchildren, so I could see myself as the matriarch of this whole clan. And of course, in my dreams, every offspring was glorious and we all loved each other and you know, just how you would think it. So it was nothing negative in my expectation. But nonetheless, there would be a moment when I would exit. And when I exited, no one would go with me. And whatever was going on in my consciousness, everything else would cease to exist and all that would be left was me in my consciousness. And I, as I recall, I remember spending a whole night looking for an alternative to that. And of course, I couldn't find it. And when I couldn't find it, it made me even more deeply committed to the development of my own consciousness because in the end, that's all I can take with me. I, I didn't go to the Himalayas. I didn't go off to live in a cave because that wasn't my karma. But the idea that I can comfort myself by telling myself something that's untrue, um, it, 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 I'm not interested because it just postpones the moment when all those untruths come crashing down around you and you still have to face the truth at that point. So Swami's instruction here is a really simple one, which I also learned at the age of 18. Don't think about yourself. Think about your, a greater reality. Be of service to others. And that changes your consciousness. And then when your consciousness changes, everything else shifts. So Swamiji says to us, to overcome fear of misjudgment by others, think of and speak to them kindly. Your fears will then move from self-concern to an expansive interest in their well-being. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you. Thank you.